0: Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. More of the history of the patriarchs is presented to us in our Old Testament lesson. Within the book of Genesis, we especially see the way God worked for the families of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to bring about the promises he had given to them and to all mankind through them. This is the history of how the savior of the world would come. And the world itself is disgusted by how base and carnal this history is. As though we could be saved through such a family as is presented here. As though the deceptions and hypocrisy of Laban, the pride and selfishness of Laban, of Jacob, as though any of that could cause something divine to come about. By his first miracle, turning water into wine, Jesus sanctified marriage as a holy and blessed estate, one which he desires to be a part of. It was the best wine anyone there had tasted. Consider the connections to the divine service, all designed by Jesus. The wine we drink in the Lord's Supper is more holy than any other wine, simply because, by virtue of Jesus' words, It is also his holy blood. The sacrament also serves as an anticipation of the eternal wedding feast. Eating and drinking, we have a little taste of heaven. Because when Jesus gives us his body and blood, he gives us forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and salvation. He joins us to himself in marriage. He is the bridegroom who is typified by Jacob, but also so far greater than his ancestor and even sanctifying his ancestor. And therefore, let us see the bridegroom's patience for his bride. When Jacob worked the first seven years for Laban, the text says they seemed to him like a few days. That's perhaps the most romantic phrase in this entire pericope. Martin Luther writes, For love is all-powerful. Just as, on the other hand, he who hates can endure nothing. For the sake of love, Jacob was willing to endure labor labor under a scheming, selfish man for seven years. That's a long time. But it seems to him like a few days. Compare what St. Peter writes about God. For the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow to do what he promised, as some consider slowness. Instead, he is patient for your sakes, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. God himself is willing to endure an unimaginable unimaginable amount of time because he loves us. This question might occur, why didn't God simply end the world when Jesus had accomplished salvation? the answer is love. Where would you or I be if that had happened? We would not be part of that salvation because we would not have been born. So yes, God has endured the last 2,000 years for you. Out of love for you. And what an unbearable burden borne by our God. He himself carried our sins in his body on the tree, says the Apostle. In order to marry himself to you, to give you his life, his inheritance, his home, he took up your weakness, your sin, your death. He made himself nothing in order to make you everything. That's the real love pictured for us. Understand the difference between true love and false love. True love is frequently praised and invoked by fairy tales so that the princess can be awakened by true love's kiss. True love is sometimes described as a you-know-it-when-you-feel-it phenomenon. These aren't really getting at what true love is. True love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. As St. Paul famously wrote, Notice in all that, that there is no place for love to think of itself. True love's kiss is good if it fights the dragon and struggles through the brambles in order to wake the princess so that she may be saved, and not for personal glory. True love's feeling is good if it is a feeling out of of itself, extending outward by a movement of the will, even despite feelings of distaste, discomfort, and dislike. St. Paul told the secret of love. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, he said, while being full or hungry, while having plenty or not enough. I can do or endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. How could Jacob endure seven years and then seven more of labor? How could he endure having a wife whom he did not love thrust upon him? How could Jesus Christ endure being mocked, insulted, slapped, spit upon, scourged, marched, nailed naked to a cross, and lifted up high for everyone to shake their heads at and laugh at? It's love. True love. For love of the bride, the bridegroom will endure every hardship. Only a perfect bridegroom can do that perfectly. Jacob, quite obviously, is not a perfect bridegroom. As verses shortly after our text illuminate, Leah was not loved. In some cases, that word for not loved means hated. There's no excusing how he treated this wife. But God's love does not vacillate In that way, he showed love to Leah, even providing the line of the Messiah through her, through her fourth son, Judah. Because of God's love for you, you are equipped by the Holy Spirit to show the same love. And therefore, St. Paul wrote, whatever you do, keep working at it with all your heart as for the Lord and not for people. Because of the love of Christ living in us, proved to us and given to us in the wedding rings that he put on us, baptism, his word and his body and blood in the Lord's Supper, we are able to show the same love. We are made perfect in Jesus' image because he graciously bore all our faults. To Jacob's credit, he doesn't give up on either of his wives. He doesn't abandon Rachel after he's married Leah. And Rachel was his wife, according to their marriage practices at that time. And scripture even calls her his wife before the wedding itself. Leah was foisted upon Jacob as an imposter to nothing but pain for all involved, herself included. But Jacob didn't put Leah away either. Through him, God blessed her with children and with life. Again, Jacob wasn't perfect. Let's see the perfect picture of Christ beyond his blurry example. When Christ suffered physical pain on the cross, an emotional torment from the passers-by who mocked him, and spiritual torture as God abandoned him to the suffering of hell, Jesus did not forsake his bride, but said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. May husbands among us have such love for their brides. This is what St. Paul is talking about when he writes, Husbands, love your wives in the same way as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water in connection with the word. He did this so that he could present her to himself as a glorious church, having no stain or wrinkle or any such thing, but so that she would be holy and blameless. I've discussed this concept in many a marriage sermon or marriage counseling session. The standard for husbands is impossibly high. Note the implications of a husband giving himself up for his wife. No part of him is excluded, body and spirit, emotion and action, all for his wife. But she's not worth it, someone might object. A husband might say, my wife doesn't make it easy on me. She does X, Y, or Z. Love does not give up. Love is infinitely patient. That means addressing those sins that might be committed by the wife, but his aim is never to humiliate her. His aim is to forgive her. Bring those sins out into the light between them so that he can tell her he loves her again by telling her, I forgive you. Well, no, the bride isn't worth it. This church of Christ's is packed with nothing but the vilest, most despicable, filthiest sinners, but he has made her worth it. He has made you beautiful. Rachel is described as having a beautiful face and figure, but nothing within you Causes Jesus to love you. It's what he put on you. His righteousness. His perfection. His beauty. And therefore Christ, your bridegroom, says of you, even now, as Solomon said of his bride, the Shulamite, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to everlasting life. Amen.